Uh, or kicking us into the second hour of the viewpoint here on SAFM, 10 minutes past nine, or just now, it's got 11 minutes past nine o'clock. My name is Asanda Beda. If you've just joined us here on uh, SAFM, so in this uh, second hour of the viewpoint, uh, we're talking about restrictions on civic freedoms that are increasing worldwide but are being acutely felt in African countries. So what are the challenges that activists are facing in Africa? That's what we'll be unpacking with Mpiwa Mangwiro, who is Regional Campaign Specialist for Sonke Gender Justice and Human Rights Advocate, committed to advancing women's rights, gender equality, and advocating for an African continent where there is recognition of and respect of human dignity. Uh, then the Jesuit Institute has launched a new documentary titled Cape Town Exposed Beyond the Beaches. So we'll be unpacking that, talking to uh, a crew from uh, that film, uh, a crew member rather, who's Ricardo da Silva, who shot the film with Gatla Kang, and uh, he'll be joining us to unpack that. And then, of course, towards the end of the show, we get to our, our soapy our daily soapy. So that's what's coming up on this hour. And uh, you can call in on 0891-104-207. WhatsApp us on uh, 061-410-4107. And you can tweet us at SAFM Radio. Do stay with us. SAFM has signed a code of conduct that is enforced by the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Under the code, we are committed to giving news that is accurate, comment that is fair, and programming that is not harmful, does not amount to hate speech, or contain violence or explicit sex. If you think we are not living up to that code, then you can inform the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Direct any complaints in writing to the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. PO Box 142365. Craig Hall 2024, fax to 011-326-3198 or an email to bccsa at nabsa.co.za. For more information, please visit www.bccsa.co.za. Youth in Conversation on SAFM. There are a lot of issues that have yet to be dealt with. I think we've definitely made waves and we've been able to achieve a certain equality, but right now I think it's really a push for that equity and having spaces that really empower women to new levels and reaching new heights where women feel comfortable in certain spaces to raise their voice a little bit higher and not be overpowered by men necessarily. SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Right, it's uh, The Viewpoint here on SFM on 104 to 107. And uh, we speak now to Ricardo da Silva, part of the crew that filmed uh, a documentary that's uh, titled Cape Town Exposed Beyond the Beaches. So the Jesuit Institute is the one that launched this new documentary, and we'll unpack it now. The documentary reveals the despicable reality of the crime and desperation that's lived in Nyanga, which is, I don't know if we can call it a township or a settlement in, in, in Cape Town, but in stark contrast to the Cape Town, known to many as a tourist paradise, we wanted to highlight the inequality and the multitude of problems faced by its people. So uh, joining us is Ricardo da Silva now. As we said, he filmed this documentary with Katleho Kang. Welcome 
to the viewpoint and welcome to SAFM. Thank you, Asanda. It's great to be here with you. Thanks so much. Okay, so the I mean, I saw the documentary and it is in Nyanga. And I mean, from the moment it starts, the film, you can see that we're talking poverty here. We're talking a different side of Cape Town than what tourists go to see or even jobbeggars go to see uh, in Cape Town. What inspired this and, and why did the Jesuit Institute decide to do this? So that really was our sense. You know, we so exposed to the beautiful Cape Town, the tourist Cape Town, the opulent Cape Town. But you arrive in Cape Town and what you see is shacks and informal settlements. And so the Jesuits, uh, which is an order of the Roman Catholic Church, Mm -hmm. specifically interested in social justice issues and the Jesuit Institute as its mandate, um, works with social justice issues. We have a parish, uh, St. Mary's in Nyanga, which is featured in Mm. the documentary, and that is in Nyanga. And so we became acutely aware of the disparity uh, and the poverty and equality between central Cape Town Mm. uh, and Nyanga itself. And so what we wanted to do is really to tell the story that is not often told. And it wasn't so much the story of poverty and the crime statistics as we know because obviously Mm. the crime statistics released last year showed that Nyanga has the highest number of reported murders in South Africa which is 308 murders uh, in a calendar year so Mm. if you consider that that's one murder at least every year but really to also tell a story of hope Uh, in this case how faith figured uh, in the lives of these people uh, despite very many trying circumstances and you will see this in the documentary it's really a short documentary it's only eight minutes but Mm. it's a snapshot of life there and it's trying to show how you know there was a group of women for example that we met with they were probably in their 60s 70s those are the parish uh, these were the ladies in the parish etc and they had all lost their children to gang violence Mm. or close family members And yet somehow they were still engaged in this project to bring about transformation. Mm. And and it's extraordinary the role that um, their faith played in that. And so what we wanted to do is really to tell the human side of that story. I've just come from an event now where Mm. Media Monitoring Africa was launching uh, their report on media coverage during the elections. And Patiswa Magopeni, who's the head of news here, she said... Um, the mandate of the SABC SABC was was not so much to be a voice to the voiceless, but rather, as Arundhati Roy puts it, to speak about those voices that are silenced. Mm. And that's really, I think, what we wanted to do as well. We we really wanted to get to the voices of young people, of older people who are never heard Mm. and get them to say something uh, meaningful about their lives because I mean as much as the documentary starts with the, the representatives from the church the Catholic Church mm. there's students who also relate their stories there Absolutely. one girl talking about I mean literally just being at home in a safe space that's supposed to be a safe space and uh, men coming in and taking your cell phones yeah uh, you know they they came into the house they held them at gun gunpoint uh, they tried to take everything but there was an incredible sense of community and before they knew it the community had mobilized around them and helped them but that was you know there there was one story there Mm. were so many other Mm. stories that we heard over those days the one student she says and this got me 
she says, we're just at the bottom of the triangle, right? Mm. Nobody pays attention to us. And it just struck me in that moment how utterly powerless in many ways uh, these people are, mm. but yet they still had the courage to say that. They still had the courage to say, you know, people think we're not important, but actually we're darn important. And what we are living here is something that can be transformed and can be changed, despite the fact that Mm. it has such a legacy. Do you think it's also all they know? I mean, these students that you spoke to, because even the other other girl who was Mm. talking about being held at gunpoint and her cell phone's been taken... Her facial expression kind of normalizes the experience because she's, she didn't look that distraught. She didn't look, no. you know, I'm not saying she should yeah. have, but in my observation, yeah. do you think that they, they've just accepted that that's the way it is? It's the colloquial reality, Asanda. So one, just to give you another idea, the local police, well, the South African police service, um, in many other places in, in Cape Town, you will see them ambling about and patrolling. In Nyanga, there is a road that crosses into Nyanga Crossroads, Philippi, mm. and they sit on the other side of the road so that they report that they have been in Nyanga, but they never actually come into Nyanga. So the last night when we were, we'd wrapped up shooting, mm. uh, we drove past and we just saw ambulance lights, no, no, no police sirens, and a body bag. Mm. No police in sight. And that was one night. Uh, You know, there were other nights where we'd heard those stories. Uh, We hadn't seen them. Mm. Uh, But it it really is outrageous that in this day and age, people still live in such abject poverty. Perhaps another thing that was surprising for me, and maybe it's, you know, the fact that I have been privileged growing up in Johannesburg, Mm. um, and, and it made me think about incidences of rape and violent culture. Mm-hmm. In the township or in the informal settlement, Philippi particularly, many of the people don't have their own ablution facilities. Mm-hmm. So it's basically portaloos that encircle this palisade wall around Nyanga uh, in, in the poorer parts. And people would have to get up in the middle of the night if, you know, if they're not using a bucket or whatever it is, mm. and if they're having a particularly difficult time, to use the portaloo, which they may have to walk some 10, 12 minutes in the dark to get to. Mm. So something as basic as a toilet that we take for granted, these people, you know, simply have to struggle uh, for their basic necessities. Yeah, and the safety there. And then on the other hand, the health implications, because goodness knows when those toilets get cleared. Absolutely. If they even. No. Yeah. We're talking to Ricardo da Silva, who filmed a documentary titled Cape Town Exposed Beyond the Beaches. What is it about the poverty in Nyanga specifically that results in, you know, if we look at the example of the 308 murders a year, because, I mean, there are other areas in South Africa where there is extreme poverty. What about this poverty in Nyanga specifically can result in such a high number of murders a year? Is it gender-based violence? Is it alcohol abuse and drug use? So, it, What it, are the reasons? It's difficult to say, but if, if we take the statistics, and just to give you a sense, mm. sexual assault, it's the second highest in South Africa. Contact sexual assault, the third highest. Sexual offenses, the 
second highest. The sixth in terms of rape. Contact crimes, the second. First in terms of murder, which is up 10% on the previous statistics. Mm. Second robbery. First in terms of carjacking. Third in terms of residential robbery. I mean, it's a litany of the most deplorable abuses. And it's very difficult to know, and, and perhaps this is, you know, it, it wasn't the mandate of the documentary, but maybe something to report on, mm. is what is local government, what is national government doing in an area like this uh, where there is such a high incidence of crime that seems out of control? Mm. Do, do you think it should be the responsibility, or maybe not responsibility, but some kind of a call to the conscience of tourists as well to want to know about these stories when they visit Cape Town? Absolutely. Um, you know, tourism, po- uh, poverty tourism, um, people seem to go into places and they almost delight in seeing these contrasts. Mm. And, and you, you sort of wonder, you know, okay, so you're going to go to the Camps Bay, but do you know the other side of the coin? Mm. Um, or that lady making your bed in that Camps Bay hotel who comes from Nyanga. <laughs> precisely. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. You know, or, or, or the fact that you've struggled because there have been water shortages in Cape Town, but actually people in Nyanga have continue to struggle mm. with water shortages because there simply isn't. Mm. One of the things which struck me, uh, and it was amusing at first, and then, of course, I pondered it. There are communal um, hanging lines for your washing. Mm. So between the uh, oncoming traffic and the outgoing traffic in the Middle Island, the community has set up uh, hang- washing lines where people hang up their washing and so you see underwear hanging up, trousers, shirts. And somehow, miraculously, perhaps out of respect for each other and that sense of community they have amongst themselves, despite all the other crime, uh, the, the clothes don't get stolen. Hmm. And people just dry their clothes out there because they don't have space in their own private residential space hmm. to do so. That's quite interesting. <laughs> that is quite interesting. So there is a sense of community. Oh, the, as much as there's a lot, you know. There is an extraordinary sense of community, um, oh. which, which, which betrays, of course, as I say, all that crime. You know, if, if you listen to those women, how they supported each other. Mm. Um, if you listen to the students, one of the other projects which you see, but you know, you, perhaps you see more of the visual side, you didn't actually hear the story. Mm. So it's group. It's a group from the Catholic chaplaincy Colby House at uh, the University of Cape Town at UCT Mm. that comes into Nyanga, into the parish on a Saturday and I think a Thursday as well. And they are tutoring this local students Mm. in math, science, uh, and um, I think it is, uh, yeah, maths, physical science, natural science, uh, and... um, one of the uh, accounting yeah. that's yeah. what it is and 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 they're working with them but again it's incredibly difficult because to try and instill a work ethic where you know as as you'll hear in the documentary they have to stage strikes in schools because there aren't any teachers to teach them mm. or because teachers fear for their lives and one teacher was uh, and we've just yeah. heard today about the teacher killed in durban in this particular school at cv west school of skills um a 16-year-old learner chased after a teacher after she asked him a question that he didn't know th- the answer to, uh, after he asked her, him a question um, that he didn't know the answer to, and stabbed him with a screwdriver. 
uh, narrowly missing, you know, n- not killing him. But mm. um, it's this kind of story that you hear repeatedly over and over. And we were there for a week mm. and, and we just heard this narrative uh, over and over and over. The Catholic Church is, is playing quite a, a big role there in terms of rehabilitation and support for community members. And one of the things that was mentioned in the documentary is the fact that people don't want to come into Nyanga because of the reputation it has. Thank goodness this UCT group of tutors did. Um, but the Catholic Church and the role that they play within the community mm-hmm. is, I mean, what can we, you know, maybe take from examples of how they did it and how they're able to still be in Nyanga and want to help and be embraced by the yeah. community. So I think what it is is, and Father Rampeoane Chlobo, who's the Jesuit that uh, has been the parish priest there for a while, mm. he, he said to us, it's much more about a ministry of presence. Uh, you know, there are many people who come to Nyanga and maybe make their donations of blankets or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we're present to these people, that we're there day in and day out, listening to the stories they know they can knock on our door, that's the key learning, I think, is is to actually be instilled in the locale where these things are happening and to be a port of call and a port of help. Let's, I mean, let's hope, you know, and I'm sure the the church will continue doing what it does, uh, but let's hope that more groups come forward as well in terms of working with the church, because at least then that forms some kind of basis or foundation sure. to, yeah. to make people feel more at ease of, of being there. The, well, the other major thing, I mean, we mentioned the education thing in terms of, um, you know, scholars going to school and the teachers haven't shown up because they fear for their lives. What are the police saying and, and in terms of the support that they can give or do... Do they look the other way? So, as I say, you know, in the time we were there, I don't think we saw, we we maybe saw one police van driving through. Um, Apart from that, it was basically stopping cars coming into or out of Nyanga as a checkbox exercise, I would say. Um, it's perhaps unfair to say that without having interviewed them, Mm. Um, but they they were not exactly approachable. They were in their cars. it, it it was difficult to have any kind of contact with them. Mm. And the parents, the, what role do they play? Are, are they involved? So at, at the school uh, at Siviwe, the principal, Yolanda there, she says that's one of the key problems for her is it's both a literacy issue, the fact that the parents don't have the capacity to help their children because they themselves are illiterate and unable to be of valuable assistance in terms of the academic enterprise of the children Mm. but also because they've never known anything else um they helpless before the situation yeah and so you know when their children are offered drugs or when girls are proposed a better life if they go off with one of these gang lords some of them see it as, as a way out yeah, it's half past nine. If you've just joined us, it's the viewpoint, and we're talking to Ricardo da Silva, uh, f- uh, filmmaker who was involved in the documentary Cape Town Exposed Beyond the Beaches. We'll continue our chat or we'll just get closing remarks in a bit now, uh, but do stay with us. This is SAFM. Hashtag Youth Power on SAFM. Leading the conversation through the month of June. As we take stock of our accomplishment and shortcoming, we should not, by a slightest of chance, 
lose sight of our once ambitious dream for education, total economic participation, democracy, and freedom for all. Hashtag Youth Month, SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Ricardo da Silva joins us, who filmed the documentary titled Cape Town Exposed Beyond the Beaches. And uh, we're just getting closing remarks from that. It's so interesting that the name of the school that's featured in the documentary is Seviwe, which in is course means we've been heard, and they hmm. have not been heard. Indeed. They've not been heard because there hasn't been progress in terms of making sure that teachers go and feel safe. The students themselves show up and be students and want to learn and community members, you know, uh, give their support in terms of what's needed with resources. And then, you know, the police and government. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Matsepane Morare, who was there before Rampeone Globo um, as the parish priest at the church, he said something which struck me and he said, you know, when you put 18,000 people per square per kilometer roughly in a place, what do you expect? And he says, when you put human beings squashed in a small place like that, it's bound to get violent. What mm. does that do to people? This is not how people are meant to live. No. Uh, so there's simply no awareness that life could be otherwise. And I remember walking, you're walking in or, or driving in rather in our crew vehicle and it was just myself and Katleho and Rampe in the car and I just saw this wall and I said, but Rampe, what's going on here? And he says, well, this is the wall that encircles the township. So there's this palisade wall, cement basically, mm. and it reminded me very much of when I went to Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem and, and that separation that happened be- in, between Palestine Uh, the Palestinian people and the Jews where a wall was simply erected that blocked them off from the rest of life Mm. Um, and and they're simply not a part of what it is to be Cape Town that everybody knows Mm. because it doesn't exist there and yet there is kind of like openings in between because palisades are kind of you yeah. know, poles where you can still see through, but yeah. you still can't go through. Yeah. You can see the mountain, you can see the sun. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, look down and it's filth lined streets that haven't been cleared. Wow, the symbolism in that. I just thought of, of that. Maybe I should join filmmaking as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the challenges that you faced, Ricardo, going in, because mm. I can imagine, you know, everyone looked at you like, who are these people now? Were there challenges or were you able to kind of blend in easily? So I must say, Katleho, who's, um, who, who was really the filmmaker, I was there to interview the people um, mainly, and I did some filming, but Katleho was the, the filmmaker. She was very worried, and she said, you know, as a white male, have you ever been in a black community? Are you going to be okay? Yeah. Um, and it's partly my own adaptability to these situations. I think I managed to engage the people and um, really empathized uh, having seen many situations like this around the world, but also the welcome, the warmth, the hospitality of the people mm. to leave, you know, on a, on a very consoling note. One scene which stays with me was just outside a Shabin, mm. and I was told, "Don't come to the Shabin, <laughs> THL hotspot." It was mm. called, and so 
I went there with Katleho because I, she went to interview the the Shabin owner about filming, and so get there and people are brying outside having this ball of a time you know sipping the local brew mm. everybody was very happy to offer me some beer i had no idea what i was going to drink <laughs> um offer me a bit of meat it was it was really i was welcomed uh, mm. th- there was nothing to fear now obviously they knew that i was there for a purpose and we'd spoken to them and they accepted us mm. uh, but certainly i felt a tremendous welcome that's awesome. And, and we ca- we are still taking calls, 0891-104-207, as we wrap up our chat on the new documentary titled Cape Town, Exposed Beyond the Beaches, that focuses on people living in Nyanga. We uh, have a call now from Ngonde, is it, in PE. Welcome to The Viewpoint. Asanda, brother. I wish I put. In that area, dangerous areas. If you did go to have some few drinks and you meet in a place called Mapindi. Mapindi, right? okay. Within Nyanga. And within Nyanga, there's a taxi ring that these young boys that are naughty and robbing people, during the day, they are scared to rob people around that taxi ring. It's between and Oskambeta High School. Mm. Within Nyanga. And then if you go that M Drive, you cross a um, Lensan Road to Philippi. Mm-hmm. In that Philippi dangerous area itself, there's a boy there in the high school. He got seven distinctions and is now at UCT. Mm-hmm. You know? So, next time does filming, I want to bait in Powell, right? He will find on the left hand side, there will be those beach line, right? Up to Musenberg. Right hand side, poverty faces you in the face, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's you. Elisha on the right, having passed a storage site within that bed in Powell. So on the left hand side, it looks and the beach, okay, using big whatever. So Cape Town is really two wells in one city. Absolutely. Thanks for your call, Putnonde. Um, the line was a bit uh, bad, but I think we got what he's saying. He's yeah. basically saying the documentary is really what's what's happening. And. You know, one of the perhaps more shocking things that I was told when I was there and we're going to be looking into it is there are areas that are certainly more violent. Of course, what we're getting here in terms of the statistics is alarming because those are reported murders in a, in that particular police station as police stations are monitored. Mm. But how many lives are lost, um, I'm told, many lives are lost that are simply not reported. Mm. And so there are those undocumented lives many of them are of migrants um, that we will never know because we don't know who they are. Yeah. Faceless individuals. And the, the shacks themselves are so close to together. I mean, you can't even fit a human body if you, you're trying to pass through those uh, shacks. They, they're so close together. It's almost like one unit. Absolutely. Very close. What, what challenges does, does that pose? I can imagine if, if a fire starts in one, then everyone is done. It breaks out and, you know, burns down the whole place and they have to set up. So there, there were certainly parts. Um, I, I think it's a particular area called Ramaposa, in fact, um, that has been erected recently mm. because there was one part of it that burnt down. And, of course, that's one of the things that you'll see in the film. We managed to capture one resident who we've obviously blacked out his, um, excuse the expression, but uh, bl- um, blurred his face mm. for his own safety and protection. 
but he was setting up an illegal connection and so much of it is based on illegal electrical connections that you just you can't certify um, the safety of the power that people are, are, are getting in mm. their homes. And that also seemed to be so normal because the guy was up there in the polls while you guys are shooting, yeah. Yeah. not even perturbed. <laughs> I'm, I, so I'm, I'm told that it's, uh, you know, th- they are the locals oh. uh, and people know about them and they know who to go to. And when you build your shack, you know, you go to person X and he'll set up your connection. Um, so it is a well-oiled machine wow. um, of, of, of corruption and illegal activity, but out of desperation for many of these people. And, and I certainly don't want to judge it. And literally is there. Didn't even bare-handed, gloves, no steel gloves. gloves. Or is um, it steel gloves? I yeah. Think. You know, or I mean, the, the, the no non-electric yeah. electricity conducting gloves. Um, he simply had no protection on. He was just touching live wires. Yeah. Let's read an SMS uh, from Ayanda's Tole in Singa. It reads, three things that are on high rate in this country are inequality, racism and unemployment. These are the three things that need to be dealt with before we can move to other things. Definitely, Ayanda, and, and that's what the documentary touches on as well. Do you want to add, um, Ricardo? Simply that I think... And, and and this was one of the phrases in the documentary that that we included. In younger, there is a familiarity with poverty, mm. and it was just chilling mm. to hear that. Mm. You know, it's not a familiarity with hope. It's not a familiarity with livelihood. It's a familiarity with poverty. Um, yeah. It's their lot, and it's their lot to bear. Uh, and somehow, and and this is perhaps where people can misconstrue faith um, because they, you know, they can interpret it as being faith helps them to deal with their lot, the lot that they've been dealt with, they have no way out. Mm. Um, and really faith is supposed to be about hope, which is what they um, speak about later in the documentary, that the only thing that keeps you seeing human beings is their faith. Mm. Um, and th- that's really what I, you know, what, what struck me is yeah. that indomitable spirit of the people um, that kept going despite every obstacle that yeah. crashed in their way. And who supports the Catholic Church there? Who's supporting them and the Jesuit uh, Institute? Well, so so the Jesuits are supported by the Society of Jesus in South Africa, an, an order of Roman Catholic religious priests and brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, Pope Francis was a Jesuit. Um, and so we're particularly passionate about social justice issues, and we've been working there. Um, for a number of years and support ourselves. But obviously, it also relies very much on the generosity of its parishioners Mm. uh, to keep these efforts going. Uh, So the society does have a grant that it gives to it. Uh, For this particular project, it was the Jesuit Institute funded uh, much of the social justice work Mm. uh, in terms of the filming and the reporting, but also the social apostolate, the social justice fund of the Society of Jesus in South Africa gave us mm. uh, accommodation um, and transportation and covered many of the other costs. Yeah. And so it was a joint project between the two of us. Okay, so YouTube people can go to uh, to view this documentary and where else? Right, so people can go on to jesuitinstitute.org.za mm-hmm. and they can click on... Um, Cape Town Exposed Beyond the Beaches. It comes up on the left-hand side and they can read the article and watch the documentary 
on our YouTube channel, the Jesuit Institute South Africa, mm-hmm. or on our news portal, our online news portal, reporting on social justice issues, spotlight.africa. And again, there they can access the documentary. All right. Well, what are you hoping people will take uh, away when they view this documentary? I'm hoping that we become a little more aware of just how privileged we are, um, even in very poor places in South Africa. Mm. Because I, I just... I can't believe that at, at my age, I hadn't seen a place like that. And I've been, you know, I've been to Soweto, I've been to Kayalicha, I've been to Dipslot, I've been to Dipluf. Those places here in Gauteng do not resemble anything like what I saw in Nyanga in the Western Cape at the foot of Table Mountain. Yeah. Thank you so much again for coming through. We're going to leave it there. Thank we you. appreciate your time. Ricardo da Silva is a filmmaker. Also, you are part of the Jesuit Institute. I am. I'm a Jesuit myself. Okay. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Okay. And uh, they've uh, launched a new documentary titled Cape Town Exposed Beyond the Beaches. We're going to go to our daily soapy in uh, just a bit. Stay with us. We're still with SAFM.